Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more. As we stay at home and watch this pandemic unfold before our eyes, peace of mind may feel in short supply. I wonder if it's time to honor slower, simpler things, maybe bits of ease hiding in plain sight. There are silver linings to be seen. We're connecting and caring with each other in all sorts of creative ways. I saw a drive-by birthday party near my house the other day. For a little girl turning seven alone was too much to bear. So mom and dad made huge birthday, happy birthday letters and put them in the yard. And friends drove by honking and singing happy birthday while flinging gifts and even a cake out on the street. Another neighbor put out a huge poster board on an easel in the sidewalk. This grateful family had taken pictures of all the gardens in the neighborhood and made a huge thank you collage for all the neighbors. There are many more things like that to make us smile. But we're forced also to deal with what is hard, the grief, the worry, the pain that we all are feeling together. The hope is there that new awareness of what we value in our lives will arrive. Robert Browning Hamilton reminds us of that possibility in a poem. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow and ne'er a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. It's hopeful and interesting to me that many of the wisest and most joyful human beings I know of have experienced tremendous suffering in their lives and have emerged from it in a place of wisdom and abiding peace. I think first of Thich Nhat Hanh, the Zen Buddhist monk that many of you know, I'm sure. He is no stranger to suffering, but if you've ever been in his presence, you've felt the peace that is his. So in this time, I was drawn to his little book called Being Peace. One simple idea about emotions caught my attention. In Buddhist psychology, emotions are described in three ways, he says, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. Neutral is not a construction of emotion I ever learned in the West, but I'm finding it helpful. In this Buddhist view, there is space to be found 
between and beyond the opposites of pleasant and unpleasant. So if someone yells at you and says mean things, usually we think of that as an unpleasant feeling. And on the other side, if someone says good things, we usually think of that as pleasant. But what if you're just sitting there? What is that? I don't think we tend to name that state so much. We might even call it nothing. But Thich Nhat Hanh suggests this neutral place is undervalued, that perhaps there's deeper truth hiding in that simple state. What if that is when you're being most yourself, most at home, most at ease? What if that middle zone is basic human happiness, just being there, steady, and at peace. The goods and bads, the Buddhists say, are just our momentary views, our interpretations of reality at the time. They come and go quite quickly in our lives, often flinging us left and right emotionally. Like the well-known Buddhist fable of the farmer with his good, bad luck. In a very shortened version, the story goes like this. The farmer is out plowing his fields with his old sick horse, and feeling compassion for his horse, he lets it go to roam in the, in the fields in peace. Too bad, the villagers say, now you have no horse. But later, the horse returns and brings with him 12 new and healthy horses. Good luck, they say. It's good to have those horses. But then the farmer's son tries to train those horses and breaks his leg. Too bad, they say. You've had bad luck. But later, the country is at war and the son is deemed unfit to fight. Ah, they say, good luck you have. The boy's leg finally heals, but now he has a limp. Too bad, of course, but he's the only young man in the town who survives the war, and on it goes. You get the idea. Between this seesaw of good and bad, I wonder, can we recognize those times when we have felt this simple, peaceful space, this place of simply being, being present, and at ease. For me, those times that come to mind are varied. I could be still, I could be active. It's the feel of it that matters. Walking in the hills, breathing, watching sky and trees, or I'm at home absorbed in the simple steps of making carrot soup. Those so-called neutral times can be anything, of course. One has to find one's own. I'm sure you know what makes a moment full all by itself for you. So what if we practiced every day to find those often overlooked places of presence and of ease? What if we planned them as recovery in the day? What if this neutral zone were named a time of value Perhaps we'd change ourselves for good, 
finding happiness in life in tiny ways. Some say we'd cause a revolution, one calm person at a time, and soon the world will follow suit. Perhaps what the poet says can possibly come true. And the people stayed at home. They learned new ways of being and were still. And when the danger passed, they made new choices and created new ways to live. May we do so now. Amen. Way back in time, Tuesday, March 17th to be exact, I started a journal entry with the heading, Day One, Shelter in Place. At the time, I thought my Shelter in Place pages would last just two weeks. Today marks day 20, and there are more to come. Each morning, words tumble willy-nilly onto the page, the first sip of coffee, notes on the morning sky, the daily migrations from the kitchen to the office to the living room, the laundry routines and trips to the grocery store. I ramble on about the fluctuating temperatures of my mood swings, which soar and sink depending on the headline. I scribble poems and prayers I make lists. I take an accounting of my daily walks. A neighbor playing the penny whistle on the back porch. A kid waltzing down the street in a polar bear costume. Folks in line for their daily bread. The boarded up storefronts and the handmade signs in neighbors' windows offering encouragement and hope. My word rambles attempt to capture the fragile history of this moment, but just as important, the pages help to calm my nerves, settle my heart, and bring some semblance of ease into my life. There's no good time for a pandemic, but I'm appreciative that we find ourselves deep in the regenerative rhythms of spring. The season helps alleviate those feelings of anxiety and fear that can take root like a nagging, persistent weed. Even in the torrent and the tumult of uncertainty, we find ourselves. Spring stays the course with an ease and a grace that appear divine. From my protected perch on the living room couch, I watch Bernal Hill, our neighborhood refuge, come to life. Bright orange poppies nestle between green meadow grasses. Explosions of milkweed burst from the hillside, outcroppings of wild iris and buttercup and lupin, a movable feast for the eye and the spirit. This week, gazing up at my hill, I think about Jerusalem, now and in time past. Around the city, hills burst with life. 
meadows, olive groves, fig trees and date palms, earth prepared for the seeds to take root. And amid this life-giving season comes the Palm Sunday story, where Jesus returns knowing his death is imminent. What is the lesson of the Palm Sunday story for this moment in time? For me, it's when Jesus tells us that above all and despite the circumstances in which we may find ourselves, we are called to love God and one another. Think about it. In a time when the headlines of the day read, end of the world coming, Jesus says, now is the time to extend your love. Don't retreat. Rather, reach for the heavens and back. In these uncertain times, how will we sustain the call to love one another and seek out ways to ease suffering? How will we make space in our lives to connect with that life-giving force, some call the name of God, some divine mystery, others by no name, or maybe love. What we need, I think, are love lessons to help ease the burdens of these troubled times. In a recent New York Times opinion piece, the Reverend Russell Moore, president of Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, tells this love story. My grandmother always kept several freezers and multiple pantries loaded with food and hid emergency cash in a cubbyhole behind the medicine. As a child, I rolled my eyes at these habits, but she would say, if you, have lived, if you had lived through the Great Depression, you would understand. I now realize that when I or my children are elderly, we will be saying similar things to our grandchildren. If you had lived through the Great Pandemic, you would understand. A pandemic is no time to turn our eyes away from the sanctity of human life. People who need to be working and who cannot work from home are suffering. Vulnerability is not a diminishment of the human experience, but is a part of the experience. Moreover, we bear witness that every human life is fragile. We are all of us creatures and not gods. We are in need of air and water and one another. A generation ago, he writes, the essayist and novelist Wendell Berry told us that the great challenge of our time would be whether we would see life as a machine or as a miracle. The same is true now. The value of a human life is not determined on a balance sheet. This pandemic will change us. That we cannot avoid. But let's remember, 
One day we will tell our grandchildren how we lived, how we loved during the great pandemic. For those of us lucky enough to shelter in place and practice the recommended safety precautions, the repeated routines, day in and day out, may leave us feeling more like a machine than a miracle worker. And if miracle worker feels too much of a weight, you could consider yourself a weight lifter, helping to lessen the burden that another has to carry. And when we lift that burden for another, we feel the weight lifted off of our own hearts too. For those on the front lines, it feels nothing short of a miracle as they practice their love lessons to help those who are suffering. Dr. Vicki Jackson, a palliative care doctor, writes, we are standing on the edge of the ocean in the dark waiting for the wave to hit, and we have no idea how high the wave is going to be. In the midst of this powerful and unrelenting wave, these love practitioners find strength to face a new day, doing what they can to lift the weight and help ease the burden. The poet Caitlin Chan in her essay, Postcards from the Pandemic, writes, today, like every other day, is a chance to begin again. This is the day that we step out, one foot, then the other, alive on the wet blades. With each step, we move closer into what some might call the holy and some call the truth, that each of us carries the seeds of compassion within us that can help heal our own suffering and bring healing to those who are in need. A few days before my first shelter-in-place entry, I sat near the edge of Lagunitas Creek, absorbed in the sounds of the running water the warm winds blew across, spreading seed and flower and bits of pollen across the creek. I thought back to a talk by the Dharma teacher, Temple Smith. He spoke about living in a, in a meditative state, where, which he described as being in a stream of experiences that move quickly and slowly, are both internal and external, intimate, immediate, and ever-changing. Take refuge, he says, in this changing nature. Let it be the basis of your being. Now, let's face it. It is hard at times to stay in the flow, especially when the waters run high. We get caught in the tangle of pain and suffering and hold tight. Instead of being fluid, we freeze. To practice a meditative state, we need to stay in the flow of the stream, feel the currents shift and move around us, get up close and personal with its ever-changing nature. 
To be intimate with the flow, we must be present to ourselves and to those around us. In the stream, we discover new channels that help us to ease the burdens with as much kindness and love as we can manifest. Today, we are learning to swim in this dynamic duality, to be intimate while also being apart, seeking out new ways to move in the flow and channel our love and compassion into the world. Each day comes new weight-lifting stories, the mask makers, the ventilator builders, the meal deliverers, the meal deliverers, the dance jams, the song circles, the meditation sanghas, and new ways of worship. I'll close with one last love lesson. The artist Lisa Liu has created a project she calls Apart Together. Apart Together is about connection and creativity during this time of isolation. Her invitation, create a comfort blanket out of old clothes and materials and piece it together into a quilt. She says, I've had my childhood comfort blanket my entire life. At this point, it's a tattered rag It speaks to me of love and loss and magical thinking of a child to believe that if she had it in her arms, nothing bad could happen. Much as we want, we can't stop bad things from happening, but each day we are learning to ride the wave. We are finding ways to bring comfort and ease and help lift the burdens that weigh upon our hearts and to help ease the hearts of others. It's a new day, another chance to rehearse the lessons of love. May we muster all the tenderness we can as we gently step forward and find our way back into the ever-moving stream. Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org.